We're so glad that you're with us today. Thanks for coming and thanks for joining us in at home. I know some of you are joining at home and we're thankful. And before we keep your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but uh, before we get into the text today, I want, us to, um, I want us to pray together. I also want to throw something out at you. Uh, this is a really good book that, um, by David Platt. David Platt is a pastor in the Washington, D.C. area and used to be the president of the International Mission Board uh, for Southern Baptists and is a really, really great leader. But he's written this book called Before You Vote. I don't know if you've heard, but there's an election coming up. Have you heard that? Um, But it's coming up. And um, and I, I do pray that you'd go vote, uh, but I think it's, there's some things to consider. And I think uh, David Platt does a really good job answering seven questions. And it's a short read. You could probably download it, uh, but get it pretty quickly. But it says, um, does God call me to vote? Who has my heart is a question. What does my neighbor need? What is the Christian position? How do we weigh the issues? Am I eager to maintain unity in the church? So how should I vote is what... Uh, I, I think he offers an interesting perspective that's worth your time. And, and you know, but I want us to keep in mind as we live in these really interesting, challenging days when it comes to the election, uh, I've never seen the nation more divided uh, in my lifetime. And it's been interesting navigating this um, this uh, rhetoric in our world as a parent and to sit down with my daughter, who's right here, and said, let's process some of this, what we're seeing. Um, but, I, but I do think it's important for us to remember, as the body of Christ, that our hope is not found in the White House or the system of government that we have. Our hope is in Christ. And we are citizens of another country, a heavenly one. The Bible communicates this. However, at the same time, we live here. And we um, have been called to live at this time in this place. And so we have a responsibility and a call to go and be light to the world. And so here's my prayer for us. Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. And may you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's my prayer that we are a people in the midst of the craziness in the world, that we overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so let's pray together, can we, for our nation and for this election. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, these are interesting times that you've called us to, and I pray that we would not forget that you have called us to these times. And I pray, Father, we would be responsible citizens of this nation, living with our true citizenship in mind, which is the kingdom. And we know this, Lord, you've spoken to this, though it's hard for us to wrap our head around it, but we ask that you'd be with our nation. And I pray that we would be unifiers in our country in the midst of the division. I pray that your spirit would empower us and lead us. And and I pray that we would remember that our trust is in you always. Thank you for this reminder. Thank you that, this, that, that you are giving us this tension as a reminder of our need of you. And so I pray that when fears hit us or, or concerns or frustrations, that, that we would overflow that, that frustration with the hope that you give us. 
Lord, thank you for calling us to this place in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying with me. You know, um, we're in this doctrinal series, and, and I think it's important. It's a lot, most of the time when we study the Bible, we go through a, a book uh, or something. That's, a, that's, a, that's our primary way of, of, of getting a spiritual diet as a church. But I do think it's valuable to take a doctrinal look at church and, or at the Bible, and, and that's what we're doing with the, with the issue of church. We're in this series called The Church to gather in a changing world. And, and it's interesting to, to evaluate what's going on in our world. I mean, here we are right now. Our church is about 65 to 70% back uh, together, like in person. Um, it's, it's, but it's hard right now as a pastor to get my arm around just our church and how we're doing. And, and, uh, like I got a, a phone call from, uh, uh, Barbara Murphy, uh, who is a wonderful lady in our church, senior adult lady that lives at Baptist Village. And, and can I remind us to pray for those at Baptist Village? Because many of them can't get out. They just literally can't. And so they're watching online. And it's a, like those that are in retirement communities, that's a, tough time. We need to pray for them and we need to check on them. And Barbara called me and uh, just said, hey, I just want you to know we love you and I'm praying for you. And it just meant so much to me. Um, and I think about um, the interesting time we are, we are in and, and, and so many people are looking forward going, I don't know how it's going to shake down because, you know, some people are like, I kind of like having church in my pajamas uh, and I just have my coffee and I don't have to brush my teeth and it's great. Um, and, uh, but we brush our teeth much more when we're wearing masks, right? We're like, whoa, I got to brush my teeth. Um, but, but you know, the, the truth is uh, there's a lot of debate on what's the church going to look like moving forward. Now, I think this series is important for us because let's think about the church. Let's think about it for a second. And, and let's, if you do a landscape of history, okay, uh, let's think about when Jesus established the church, all the things that have taken place. I mean, the church has survived, it survived the Roman Empire. Oh my goodness, you kidding me? That, that was people were being killed, I mean, for, for being a Christian in the Roman Empire. Uh, and they were, they were being fed to lions. That'd be a bad day, right? Um, and, and so there was tough times in the Roman Empire. Then Constantine came around and, and then it got like cool, I guess, to be a Christian. That, that might be a, an overstatement of history right there. But, um, but, but Constantine, you can argue, were those, were those people even believers? Maybe not. Some of them, but it became culturally, uh, acceptable to be a Christian under Constantine. And then, and then it was weird because then the church got really corrupt and, and uh, there, were, there were just really tough things that happened through that part of history. But guess what? In the midst of those failures, in the midst of the failures of, of the church in history, the church still had a remnant of believers that walked with the Lord, that, that honored the Lord, and the church continued to survive. And then it went through the Middle Ages. And man, it was terrible at that point and difficult. But then the church reformed and, and, and people like Martin Luther, they, the church continued to advance at every time in the history of the world. It church survived pandemics. It survived uh, sexual scandals. It survived um, wars and, and crazy times in the history of the world. The church has thrived in dictators, among dictators in the world. The church has th survived through democracy. So the system of government has never thwarted the, the message and the mission of the church. And that's what we're doing here. 
And that's something we got to understand. And, and when you think about the, the church, I'm grateful that we get to be a part of it. I'm grateful that God has called us to be a part of his church. So, and, and it's so powerful and it's going to be so impactful that Jesus even said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And it's amazing to me. So that's why we look at the future and I'm not worried about the church surviving because we're going to, we're called to walk with the Lord. Jesus promised he would build his church until he returns and he hadn't returned yet. Um, I mean, sometimes we're, I'm praying for him to return, goodness gracious, but, but he hadn't returned yet. But it's interesting when I think about um, how important the church is. The most significant moments in our lives happen at the church. Because think about what's, what's happening even right now. There's this interaction, this connection between us as fragile, broken human beings, and we are interacting and communicating with the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And it's in the church where, where we have come to know Christ. We've experienced salvation. It's in the church where we have these, these divine intersection, this divine intersection of the human and the divine. It's so cool that God is at work speaking to us and leading us and guiding us and growing us and teaching us. And, and I look back in my own life and there were moments that I've been broken and God is restored me. There have been moments that I've been fearful and God gave me strength and, and, and wiped away my fear. There's been moments of failure that God has wrapped his arms around me and said, I forgive you. There's been moments that I didn't know what to do and God gave me direction. And that's, that's what's happening in the church. And I think about the church and so many people are, are confused about it because, you know, they think the church is just global and it is global. I mean, I can remember being in Europe um, at 19. I was 19 years old, and my dad, he was a history teacher, and he, um, he took, us, took, took me and my, a few people to Eastern Europe right after the wall came down. And, and if you know history, in, in 1990, the wall fell in 18, 1989 and 90, that, that time the Berlin Wall fell down. And in my office, I have a piece of the Berlin Wall that I knocked off. And I'll never forget this trip. It was kind of like a history trip, not a mission trip, but, but God spoke to me on this trip because I was on this bridge in Czechoslovakia and it was super cool because I, I heard, I was on this bridge by myself and it was a Friday night and I was just kind of uh, thinking about my life, about what I was supposed to do in my life. And I had just finished my freshman year of college. And and I hear English on this bridge. And I was like, wait, I, I recognize that sound. And it was a group of guys singing John Cougar Mellencamp. And they, they had about 150 people around them. And they were all partying it up and drinking. There was a huge crowd. And they were singing Jack and Diane. I was like, I know that song. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and so I, I listened for a little bit, stood at the back of the crowd. And then and all of a sudden I hear English again. And it was a praise song. I was like, I know that's, oh, that's English. And I, I walked down the bridge and it was a group of, of uh, Campus Crusade people. And I walked up to one of them and I said, hey man, you're a Christian. Yeah, me too, man. I'm a Christian too. How cool. And we had this moment together of bond and connection because we were both believers. And it was a cool reality of the church big C that we are a, a part of a church globally. But when I think about my life, when I think about the true impact of God in my life, do you know where that took place? 
It took place at South Lindsay Baptist Church. Last week, I went back and preached at the 95th anniversary of South Lindsay Baptist Church. And it was there where God spoke to me, sitting in those pews at South Lindsay. It was there where I was called to ministry. It was there where I was, well, first of all, I was saved. It was there where I was baptized. It was there where people got in my, in my grill, in my face, and said, hey, Chris, you need to walk with the Lord. It was there where I learned how to read the Bible and study the Word of God. So, so we've got to understand that the church, big C, is what we're a part of. But let me tell you, it's the church locally where we learn to walk with God. And that's something that we need to understand. Now, when you think about this passage, flip back over to 1 Corinthians 12, because it's such an important passage. And there are several places in the New Testament where the Bible gives us some metaphors about a church. Like in Ephesians, it talks about church as a family. And that's the metaphor it uses to describe the church. And we're a family. It's in the church where... where like Paul says to Timothy, it's the church is like an army, that we're soldiers for Christ. We're, we're an army, and those are, those are true metaphors. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we see the church as a body. And this is really important to understand because um, it's this metaphor that we are a body with different parts. Now, if you look at the big picture of 1 Corinthians that part of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, you know, chapter 12 speaks to one body with many members that Casey just read for us. Chapter 13 talks about love. That's the love chapter that we've often used at weddings and things like that. But the context of 1 Corinthians 13 is that love is the attitude of every member of the church. Then in chapter 14, it's really encouraging because what Paul does in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians is he goes back to the messy Corinthian church. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me because when I look at our church, it's messy. Church is messy. And this is why I struggle with people that we just get all dressed up and like, hey, brother, how you doing? Good to see you. you know, and we're, and we're not honest and that's not who we are. I know First Baptist churches tend to have a reputation of being this, oh, we're stuffy and distant, but that's not us. No, we know we've failed. We are people that God is putting us back together. And, and God is restoring us. And this is, this is true for every one of us, including your pastor. And, and this is the, the message of Scripture. Now, you know what? what's important to understand? In the American church, we need to get this. Because there's a mentality that we've got to fix and we can't fall into. And it's the idea of consumerism. In church, and we, I get this all the time. Of and 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 I get it, and it's 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 a, it's a mistake that we got to get out of our language. But but I've heard this like we're church shopping. We should never church shop. You church pray. You're church praying, not church shopping. And that's important to understand because um, because really we are have fallen in into Amer in American culture with the consumerization of church, and we got to fix that. And the Bible explains that we are members. Look at verse uh, chapter twelve, verse twenty-seven. Look at it. It says, "Now you are the body of Christ, and individual members of it." God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of helping, um, 
excuse me, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and the various kinds of tongues. Now, we're not going to break down that list right now because we're taking a big picture, but let me tell you, where I determined my gifts, where I discovered my gifts, was not on a bridge in Czechoslovakia when I met a brother that I'll never see again until I get to heaven. I learned my gifts at those that knew me, that saw me, that walked with me. I learned these gifts that are articulated right here, and there's a lot of things to talk about those that we won't break those down, but, but the reality is we learn our gifts in our local church. And that's why church needs to be lived out locally, and this is important. Now, look back at, um, you know, when you think about verse 12. The Paul looks, he carries this body metaphor a little further and, it, and explains that, that members are individual parts of the body. Some are eyes, he says, some are ears, some are feet, still others are hands. In verse 12, he says, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ, he says. Now, basically, what God is saying through his word is that, is that membership means we're different, but we still work together. Now, here's what's happening in the United States of America for the last 25 years. It's become more and more common for people to attend a church but not join a church. Because we, there's this mentality of, oh, well, we're just part of the church global. And, and that's a... That's, in, from what I read scripture, it's a misunderstanding of how church should be lived out in our daily lives. And we are one of the few, like, uh, a decreasing number of churches who are, requ- are asking people, look, if you want to be a part of us, you ought to join us. And that's why I would say to you, if you've been visiting for a long time, you ought to join. You ought to join this church. I mean, because here's what's happening. Here's what God's doing. You're You're here. You're tuning in at your house. You're in this room. And, and maybe there's a reason God keeps bringing you. Well, no, not maybe. There is a reason God keeps bringing you back here. Because you're to be a part of this body. And, and that's why some are hands, some are feet, some are ears, some are eyes. We're different, but the necessary part is we all play a part. Now, all of our parts are important, right? And we get this. I mean, I, I, I played tennis in college, and that was my, I was better at tennis, but the sport I really loved growing up was basketball. I loved playing basketball. It was, I just wasn't as good at basketball, but I, would, I loved it. And I played competitive basketball as, as a child and through high school, and, and I loved it. I just loved it. But you know what I did in basketball often? That, that I still can feel it, and it still makes my stomach hurt because this happens so much. And if you played basketball, uh, this has happened to you. Have you ever jammed your thumb? Oh, my goodness. I can still, I, it just still makes my stomach hurt because I can feel just my thumb when I just like tried to catch a ball and just bam, jam my thumb. And I mean, if you've ever done that, that's a bummer. Oh, that's a bummer because when your thumb hurts, I mean, you could, I could live without my thumb, but I like my thumb. I really do. I like my thumb. My thumb's my friend and it, it helps me because it, though I can survive without it, my handshakes would feel weird if I was like, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, it would be tough to say, hey, good job, everybody. That just doesn't work as well. It's not as cool to do that. Or, hey, 
Go get them. Um, anyway, I like my thumb. And, and the Bible makes it clear that when one part of the body doesn't function right, the whole body doesn't function well. And, and so verse 26 says this. Think of your thumb. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And, and this is the call we have, that, that we are together. We're a body of Christ. And, it, and it's lived in one place at one time. Like this friend of mine that I don't even know his name and never seen him since on that bridge, I don't ever see him. I've never seen him since. But I see Rob Rizzo. I see him. And, and we talk. And, and he, if I get out of line or if I'm doing something I shouldn't do, Rob Rizzo's going, dude, what, what are you doing? Don't do that. That's called living your life walking with the Lord. And, and, and you know, but sadly, sometimes we see our church membership like our gym membership. You know, if you have a gym membership, you can go. I mean, I got a little fob for my gym membership, and, and you know, all I do is pay my bill every month, and I can go. But, you know, at the gym, I don't, I don't pay the light bill. I probably do with my gym membership, but I don't write the check. I don't clean it. Someone else, better, if, it, if it gets dirty, I'm like, I'm not going there. I'm not going to go there anymore. I, I don't feel a responsibility of greeting everybody that walks in the door at the gym and making sure they feel like, good about being there, because who feels good about being at the gym? It hurts, right? Um, but, but I, you know, but here, it's different for all of us, not just me, because I'm the pastor, but see, we all play a part. And so there, there's another book I want to push you to, and I, I, I'm a book peddler today, I feel like, but, but this is a really good book by Tom Rainer called I Am a Church Member. You ought to get it. You could probably buy it for like five bucks, on Amazon or something, but you ought to get this. This is a great book that you ought to read, and it's really easy to read. But, but one of the things that Tom Rainer talks about, as he describes membership, he says membership should be biblical. And this is what I want to push us to, to biblical membership. And, and basically, when you are a biblical member, what happens? Well, you, we are a biblical member of the church, uh, then, then we're going to give abundantly. Right? Because as a, like, here's the reality, guys. I'll be honest with you. It is amazing to me how follow, followers of Christ will justify not tithing. And, and, and I don't know, like, there's some preachers, and I, I, I kind of agree with them. How can you even have a walk with the Lord and not tithe? Because all of our stuff, it's not ours. Like we tithe today, I tithe online and we gave today and we regularly do that because, you know, there's some pastors that say, oh, well, I give a lot of my time. So that's how I tithe. I'm like, no, I, I give a lot of time too. But God asked for my, he tells me, learn to see my stuff right. So I give of our money, Right. And so as a Christian, we, as a member, a biblical member of a church, we do two things that are just natural outcomes of our faith. We give abundantly and we serve, well, I had a good term there, I want to get it, without hesitation. I love that. We, we give abundantly and we serve without hesitation. I'm going to serve. 
You know what's crazy about the church? Uh, the work is done by less than 20% of the people. And so if, that's, if that statistic is national, and it's a national statistic, and if that is true, then for us, then 80% of you, we gotta, you got to start serving if you're going to be biblical. And this is what biblical membership looks like. And uh, that we give and we serve. Rainer points out a second thing. Membership needs to be functional membership. We've got to be functional now, here's what he means by that. 1 Corinthians 12, it break, kind of breaks this down. That, that, that you, like your body, you have a, you have a job to, to do. Each one of you are equipped. Not every one of you are going to want to get up and preach like I'm doing. You might be going, thank the Lord I don't get to do that. How many of you glad you don't have to do this? Anybody glad? Okay. Well, but, but you know what? You're not supposed to. But you have a role to play. You have a job to do. And that's what we need to do. That's what you got to figure out. That, that, that the church, point number one, if you're following in notes, the, the church is historic and global, but it's meant to function locally. So, so the local church, like, like we're to function locally. This is how we get our job done, how we honor the Lord where we are. The local church identifies individuals as genuine followers of Christ. You know, we want to help you discern, has there been a moment of salvation? Have you come to Christ? Have you had that First Peter 2.10 moment where once you were not a people, now you're the people of God? Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And we want you to be able to look at your testimony and recognize, I have put my faith in Christ. But then it's in the local church, right, where you have that mark of a believer. And all of us need that mark of a believer. What's the mark of a believer? Well, according to the scriptures, the mark of a believer is baptism. That's the mark, the outward mark that we say, we show to the world, hey, man, I've been, I'm being baptized today. Uh, and, and have you been baptized? Hey, we're, we're ready. We got, I mean, we got a baptistry right there. I mean, I mean, a couple weeks ago in this service, Aiden got baptized and gotten fully clothed. I'm not saying you do that today, but we could if you wanted. I don't know. We'll have to talk about it, but I, I knew Aiden. But, um, let's, but look, it's in the local church where you're baptized. It's in the local church that provides you a spiritual family that can support, encourage, and care for you in your walk with Christ. Now think about that. It's in the local church that God provides this spiritual family that cares for you, that walks with you, that, that supports you. You know what's something interesting? Do you know a couple, not too long ago, I was publicly, like on, on, on social media, I was criticized. And I was criticized because I took a biblical stand with, um, with someone that was in our church. I, I took a biblical stand. And, and I said, look, this is what the Bible says, and we're not going to do this. And, 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 and we're going to stay true to Scripture. And I was criticized publicly. And I would say to you, if you go to a church that doesn't, that when and if you ever get off a biblical stand, and you go to a church that doesn't confront you, 
There's a Spanish word for that. It's called el problemo, okay? That should be a problem, right? Because if any of us as brothers and sisters in Christ move away from Scripture, we ought to go, hey, don't do that. Now, a lost world doesn't understand it. And on this social media platform, a lost world was like, oh, how terrible of that person. It was me. But I would say, that's right for all of us. And, and, if, and if we are in a church, if you're in a church that doesn't get in your way, you should reevaluate where you are. And that's important. But God places you under spiritual protection from godly leaders. And you recognize, right, that when leaders in our lives, when leaders in my life, when leaders in your life confront you and say, hey, <clears throat> don't do that, you realize that's spiritual protection that's helping you. It's kind of like when uh, my, my kids were little and they were like, oh, the street seems so fun to play in. And we'd go, oh, you know what? Oh, don't go on the street. Don't play in the street. Well, dad, you're so, man, such a bummer, so stuffy. No, it's dangerous. And thankfully, Maggie is almost 17 and it's alive right now because I didn't let her play in the street. You're welcome. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but $5. I have to pay her $5 because, dang it. Uh, I, anytime I use my kids in a sermon illustration, I have to pay them $5. So, shoot. It's costing, I'm not going to spend any more money in this service. But, um, but look at this. The, not only is the body a unified whole, but this passage makes it clear that the body is made up of many parts. In chapter 12, it says, there's a foot, there's a hand, there's an ear, there's an eye, there's a nose. And each of these parts are supposed to function. The foot's to walk, the hand's to grasp, the ear's to hear, the eye's to see, the nose is to smell. And, and what, I, what we need to see here is that together we function completely. And for you, and, and we've got to recognize this, and I want to say this very clear, that the concept of an inactive church member is an impossibility. For you to be an inactive church member, that's impossible to be biblical and to be um, faithful, to be right with the Lord. Biblically inactive church members don't exist according to Scripture. And so how can we let them exist in our lives, in our world, in our, in our experience here? And, and here's, here's what I understand the Scripture to help us see. And this is what it's done in my life. And what I, what I think it's going to do in your life is that, is that it's in the church where, where it gives you a place to discover and use the gifts that the Lord has entrusted you for ministry. It's right here. That this is where you learn to use your gifts. And I would say to all of you in this room, you, or if you're watching at home, you've got to use your gifts. And many of you are not. And, and you're using all kinds of things to, to cause it, cause you not to get involved. And excuses. Because, we, oh, I'm frustrated with the pastor. Well, I'm going to frustrate you at times. You're going to frustrate me at times. 
That's called family. Who is not frustrated with their family? Right? That's called life. Get over it. Let's love one another and walk together. Forgive one another. You know, you may go, oh, well, this, uh, I like another church down the road. Then go join that church and serve with them. But we've got a job to do, a role to play. But here's what's happening. You're here. Guess who brought you here? What if God did? Okay, let's get after it. Let's serve together. And this is the place you're using your gifts. And, and as a church member, here's, here's the reality. We are in a covenant relationship with one another. We're covenanted together. We're not a business. We're not a, we're not a social club. We're not a gym membership. We're a family. We're a body. And when, and you may be the thumb. And you I don't want to be a thumb. Well, you may be a thumb. Thumbs are really helpful. So be a thumb. Be a part of this body. In this covenant relationship, here's what we do. We, we help you make a public gospel profession. It's in the local church that I, I make a public profession. I made a public profession of my life, my, my salvation, my baptism. So let's get that done. It's in the church where there's a promise of oversight and spiritual growth. This ought to be the place, like our purpose statement says, we exist to love all people to Christ, equipping them on their journey with God and one another, meaning that we want to share the gospel with people that don't know Christ, but then we want to equip you in your relationship with God. We want to equip you not only in your relationship with the Lord and spiritual growth, but we want to equip you in in deepening relationships so we have a commitment to deepening relationships with one another. That's why we work out frustrations. That's why we, like, I'm so grateful that my wife has stuck it out with me to work out our differences because we are different But it was in that working out of the differences that caused my love for her to grow so deep. You know, um, a couple weeks ago, I went back to uh, uh, Nice Island. I went back. I spoke in a a deal in Oklahoma City. And um, and at this event were uh, members of Council Road Baptist Church, the church I came from. And there was a lady there that that she and I had a really, really big conflict in church um, over sixth graders coming into youth ministry. It was back, way back in the day when that was, uh, schools were changing. And, and boy, we went toe to toe. And she was mad and I was mad. And boy, we both stormed out of a meeting at church, mad at each other. But when, uh, but guess what we did? We worked through it and we figured it out and we loved one another and we, and we stayed together and, and her husband is a, still a mentor in my life. And I saw her on uh, a couple weeks ago and when I saw her and she and her husband and Dave and I just hugged them and said, oh my goodness, I missed you. And tears were in both of our eyes. And I think about the moments when we resolve conflicts with one another. That's when love grows. So when you get frustrated at church, recognize that's God growing your love for one another. And that's beautiful. We have a commitment to deepening relationships. And and you know what else we do? 
as a church, we are committed to being a Christ-like ambassador. We have a Christ-like ambassador outreach in the life of our church, that we are called to this world. That's why we got to go vote. That's why we got to be Christians in the world that we live in. That's why we got to be good citizens of the United States of America, because God put us here. We live here. That's why we got to be involved and connected to people that don't know Christ. And folks, you are a part of this body. And let's get together and figure out how God wants to use you through this local church to reach the world for Christ. Now, can I tell you one of the things that I'm learning, one of the areas that I'm learning to serve the Lord and I'm growing in as a pastor right now? And and one of the ways I want to challenge you, even right now, to serve this body and people around you, I'm learning to pray. Do you know that on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7.30, there's a group of us meeting together to pray for an hour? Do you know what I've discovered as a pastor? We've done a really good job of exegeting passages of Scripture in our church. There's Bible studies galore in this church where we're breaking down a passage. Those are good. There are ways we're serving our community in incredible ways. We are serving through the mission. We're serving through this church, and it's incredible. You know what's broken my heart, though? I've been unable to identify an hour in the life of our church where we pray, and we fixed that. And so really for the last year. We've been meeting together on Wednesdays and praying, but it needs to grow. So I want you to know about it. Now, you know what we're doing when we come together? We're praying. You ought to consider serving in that way. You'll have to come find us, but we're, we're findable. It's over there in that building. But here's what I want to do right now. We just sang this song. The last song that, Josh, I want you guys to come on up. The last song that we sang was taken straight from Scripture called The Blessing. But here's what I want us to do right now. I want us to pray for somebody. Now, let me tell you something. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, please allow me to be an ambassador for Christ right now and, and, and appeal to you. Let God use me to appeal to you that, that come to Christ. Because I am therefore Christ's ambassadors, ambassador. It is as though God were making his appeal through me. I implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. You could come to Jesus today, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, Christ will receive you. Many of you know Christ as your Savior. But we have gotten in a habit of looking at self. And what I want us to do in this invitation is for all of us to not look at ourselves, but think about somebody else. This song, as, I, as we sang it today, 
In the first service, God spoke to me about this. And again, in the second service, I shifted the song to say, Lord, I pray for this person that needs your face to shine upon you right now. All of us, all of us know, if we think about it, we know somebody right now that that they need the face of God to shine upon them. They need peace because there are storms that are just frightening. And so right now, we get to get this divine interaction, this this connection, this, this divine moment where we in our frailty of humanity get to say, Lord, we want to interact and connect and intersect with the divine. And say, God, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to pray to you. I want to pray this blessing that may, Lord, may your face shine on you fill in the blank. You know what I need? Right before I walked up on this stage, my brother and my sister-in-law who has brain cancer, both just tested positive for COVID. They went to the hospital on Friday night. There were no beds. They sent them home. And my brother is really sick. And I just said, Lord, Mike needs your face to shine upon you. Vanda with brain cancer needs your face to shine upon you. Who do you need to take to the Lord right now? Don't think about yourself. Let's look at, let's, let's experience the joy of God using you in the lives of others. Because I'll tell you what, that is something I don't want you to miss in your life. So we're going to stand together and we're going to sing this song. If you need Christ today, I'm going to be down front. But this invitation is to take somebody to the feet of Jesus. Because here's the miracle of God. Is that as you have people come to your mind, do you know who's putting that name on your heart? Not you, God. God is putting that name on your heart. God is putting that person on your heart. So I pray that you take this moment and intersect with the divine, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords who knows you. Jesus, who entered human history, coming for you. Lord Jesus, we ask that through this song, we don't just let the words come off our lips. Father, we we intersect with you. May we listen to your voice to know who to pray for, who needs your face to shine upon them. Thank you, Jesus. Teach us to pray even now in your name. Amen.